There have been a lot of great hockey players over the years. Legends, both on and off the ice. The Overtime Podcast checks in with some of hockey's biggest names and talks about what these great players are up to today. Welcome to the Overtime Podcast. Here's your host, Gino Retta. Hey, hockey fans. Welcome to the 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast. I'm your host, Gino Retta. You know, I've spent more than four decades working the game, fortunate enough to meet some of the legends of the game. I saw them come into the league. Now they've moved on to life after the game. The 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast gives us a chance to catch up, tell some great stories, relive some great memories, and hear what they're up to today. Today's legend, a 17-year NHL player, four different teams. Stints as captain of the Devils, Canadians, and Sabres also played with the Boston Bruins, a Stanley Cup champion with the Devils, where he was wearing the C, led Boston College to the NCAA championship, where he was wearing the C. He was a member of Team USA Olympics in 2018, where he was wearing the C. Pleased to be joined by Brian Giotta. Oh, Brian, it's it's so funny to to kind of refer to you as the captain, the captain, the captain, the captain of all this stuff. It's so great to be catching up with you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Like, uh, things are awesome. Um, you know, I, I don't know if the legend is the right word. Uh, you know, I had a great career. I was, I was fortunate enough to last longer than anyone would have thought, uh, at my size, but, uh, legend, I think of all, all those other guys, I'm just, uh, I'd say a steady NHL player in my time. You know what time it is? It's time to crush your cravings with 7-Eleven Cravables, like their world famous taquitos, fully loaded nachos, Hot from the oven in minutes, 24-7 pizza, and the one and only Slurpee. They'll deliver it straight to your door before you can say, Hey dude, have you seen my phone? Get 7-Eleven delivered fast, 24-7. Use promo code FREE7 to get $7 off your first two orders of $15 or more on 7Now. Download the 7-Eleven app. You know what? I want to I tag on to, to your mention of the size because... There are some times where people think size could be detrimental. You're 5'7", for our audience, who, who part of our audience doesn't know this. You're 5'7", at a time where it, it wasn't okay to be 5'7", coming to the NHL. I wonder, and you correct me if I'm wrong, if the fact that you were 5'7", actually helped your career and helped you come into the league because it made you character-wise a different kind of person potentially than you would have been had you been 6'1". Am I on or am I completely off track? No, you're, I, I think you're 100% right, right? Like it's, I never thought of myself as being undersized. You just go out and you play the game, how you know it. Uh, you you find out solutions to problems that you have, whether you're six foot six or you're five seven. Yeah. Uh, but for sure, you, I had to have that, that kind of edge to my game, that edge to really prove myself time and again. It was never handed to me in a time that, uh, five, seven guys were kind of overlooked and they didn't think they would last in the NHL and they didn't think they could uh, withhold the the rigors of, of an NHL season. So for sure, I had a chip on my shoulder every time I was out there to prove that I could, I could do that, that I was just a regular player out there. It helped my career, but I don't think it gave me, you never had the first look. You went out there and you had to kind of break people's mindsets down um, and do that over time. And I was, I was fortunate enough to come across plenty of people that believed in me, uh, whether that's my junior coach or Jerry York at BC or Lou Lamorello with the devils that, you know, kind of all gave me my shot to prove myself. Um, but for sure it was, was not an easy go 
and I'll relate back to a story. It was, uh, you know, Jeff Jackson, great guy, great coach, coach in the world junior team at the time. And, you know, I'd come in as a freshman at BC and, you know, had a very good year. And he called me into his office at tryouts for world juniors and said, I was the last player picked. And then you go on, you know, like it's in today's day and age, you would have been the first guy picked, or you would have been the guy that was, was looked at to, to run a team. And, me and Scott Gomez connected there, and I think we were the leading scorers of the team at the time. So going from the last player pick to that, uh, that was just what I had to do all along the way of my career, things like that. Do you think, and, and I kind of joked about the fact you were captain here, you were cap, you're, you're captain three different NHL teams, Olympic teams, uh, your college team at BC. Do you think that also played a role in your leadership? Because you were never a guy who just said, okay, I'm here, I'll just quietly sit in the corner. That was never you. What made you such a good leader? Were there mentors? Were there people you learned from? Or what drove you to say, no, I don't want to just be here. I, I would love to see guys follow as well. I, I think a lot of it, for me, I was a kind of guy that that led by example. I went out there and left it out there. I worked as hard as I could. Uh, I prepared day in and day out. I try to live you know, that day daily routine to carry over to games and practices and whatnot. But uh, you have mentors all along the way. You have guys that you've learned from. I, I was fortunate enough to come into an NHL team with a Scott Stevens and Niedermeyer and Brodeur and Joe Neuendyke. I mean, those for me are legends, all of famers. No, not a bad team at all. And, and you know, it's, it's so you learn from that. You sit in the corner, you go out, you, you absorb everything you can in the room, on the ice, in practice, and then that carries over to what you are when you're an older player and those guys that kind of uh, led you before. And, uh, you know, you see it in Boston with the Chara and Bergeron and the what they leave behind for the players that they touch. And so that's kind of – I was lucky to come into a team like that in New Jersey. What's that like when you join a team like that, when you look around the room and go, oh, frick, I've seen these guys play for a long time. And this is <laughs> a serious team. How do I fit into this team, contribute – don't become the new kid, loudmouth, brash guy who's going to, you know, bust people's balls and irritate them, yet at the same time be a contributor. What was that transition like? And then ultimately handed the C, man, and led the, led the, you were wearing the C when the Devils won the cup. So it was, it was, you come in as a young guy. And there again, I had a great college career, uh, very offensive. And you Can come I interrupt in you for one second. Yeah. Your college career was nuts. Look, <laughs> the, the chance, the chance. I, I want to get back to the Devils, but you mentioned the college career, and I don't want to fly by it. You, you had, yeah, you had an amazing college career. When you came in as a freshman, you had an impact right away. You reached the Frozen Four all four years. Like that yeah. doesn't happen. And then you're wearing the C, and you win the NCAA championship with BC in your seat. Like that must have been crazy. Oh, it was, it was awesome. I mean, my time at BC was some of the best years of my life, uh, living with the guys that you're out there competing with day in and day out. And, uh, yeah, we, we went to the final game three out of my four years and we lost in the semi the other year. So, um, we had great teams. We had a ton of success. I mean, we only won at one time. So like for me, dude, I it's the NCAA championship. I, I know, but you're there, you're there three, four times. You want to win it. Like, so it was disappointing until senior year. We were able to kind of get over that hump and win it. Uh, so, yeah, my time at BC, I loved it. It was it was very successful team-wise, individual-wise. 
and it kind of set me up, catapulted me into to the NHL for sure. Uh, you know what else catapulted you into the NHL? Lou Lamarillo, the legend that he is. Yeah. <laughs> he loved you, man. Uh, he did he not actually trade up in the draft to make sure he could get a hold of you? He he did, and so funny thing, I I, I think you know they do those post you know era drafts where you go back to the the draft and, yeah the redrafts and you see where guys might have fallen based off of how their careers played out and Lou Lamorello traded up St. Louis was going to take me hearsay they were going to take me the next pick and so they traded up just in front of St. Louis and you're talking third round and in today's world it would have been a top 10 pick but back then it, there was question marks about size and durability and he traded up in the third round because he loved what I brought and I really appreciated that. And that's why I mentioned them as far as those guys that meant a lot to your career because they, they believed in you and they gave me my shot and they, uh, you know, let me go out there and prove myself. And so I'll forever be grateful to Lou and growing up as a young player in the NHL and learning the Lamorello way and, and how to be, uh, you know, humble in your, in your successes. It's, uh, I was lucky that it all fell together for me. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd go with lucky. <laughs> I mean, you worked your butt off and you scored a hell of a lot of goals. You were, you were always one of the leading scorers. I mean, what was it like? Okay, so let me take you back to the story now. Let's pick up on it. So now you're part of the Devils. You're gradually increasing in your contribution. They, they hand you the C and you're going to a season and you think, did you think at the start of the year, this could be our year, this could be the team that does it go all the way? Or at what point did you only feel that once you hit the playoffs and you guys started doing amazing things? No, I mean, we, you look at our teams in New Jersey, we always had a chance to win. That was our mentality. That was the expectation was to go into the season and win a Stanley Cup. I went in um, and joined an older group and I had to find a way. I was super offensive in college and I had to find a, a role within a team to, to fit and to stick in the NHL. And so that started out as a, a third line checking role with a Madden and a Pandolfo and, you know, not necessarily the offensive opportunities, whether it be on the power play or not, it was penalty kill and, and shut lines down. And so you, I think a lot of young guys have hard time really figuring out their game and changing their game to stick with the team that they're at. They want to force their game on it. And I knew that if I could evolve my game and play that way, uh, the rest would come out eventually and it would show. And then it also helped me last longer in my career on the flip side, because as you age, you become the older guy, the veteran guy that they want around for uh, a certain role within the room and around the team. Yeah. Uh, but you're not necessarily put in the same first power play unit. You're not on the first line anymore. And so I was able to evolve the last few years of my career and be a contributor on teams in a different role. And I attribute that to how I came in to the league as well. You had to kind of always evolve and, and be a different uh, role within whatever team it was at the time. In conversation with Stanley Cup champion Brian Gianta, so take me through some of your memories of that cup run of what that was like. The biggest thing was we're, we're facing a president's uh, trophy winning team in the Ottawa senators and, you know, yeah. legends on that team. And, uh, you know, new guys like uh, Spezza coming into the league and um, game seven in Ottawa, we're staying off in an obscure hotel 
and you know the Lamarella way, you know, off the beaten path, no one can find you. Yeah. And uh, going into game seven, the bus breaks down. So a school bus shows up to the hotel. And so I've never heard got, this story. Yeah. So we have, you know, the legends. You got all the legends on the team jumping on this yellow school bus to go to game seven in a conference finals against the president uh, winning team. And on the way, our trainers had gotten in a cab. They get in an accident. We're on a school bus. It's disheveled. And you want on a game seven everything to kind of line up. And you don't want any distractions going into it. And we just had to laugh at ourselves and be like, hey, the universe is against us, but we're going to go out here and really take it over. And, you know, Jeff Friesen at the time, he we're playing. We got a three-on-two rush. He tries to hit Marshy or me. It's turned over at the blue line. They go up, and he ends up coming back and making the play that that wins the game for us. And so those are the memories you take from a cup run like that. And then you go on to a Anaheim team in the finals against uh, a Jaguar who had, you know, dominated the first three rounds. And in that round, in that series, you got the Marty Berger flub where he comes out to Be play careful what you say, because I got Jaguar coming up on the show next week. Okay. So hey, I'm going like, to quote you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, so Bruder comes out, it's the infamous, he comes out to play the puck, he drops his stick, it hits his stick, goes through his legs into the into the net, we lose the game, that game in Anaheim, and it's those types of adversity that we overcome throughout that cup run, and I don't think any team that wins the cup does not go through some type of adversity. Yeah. Let me ask you a question, I had Marty on the show early last year, and he was interesting because he was almost apologetic about that cup win because he said there were guys that he felt at times that maybe he didn't get the kind of credit he deserved in net. And that it's not like Marty to say that, but because the media and listen, I followed that cup final. I was on the road with yeah. you guys through that whole way through the cup final. So watch it all unfold. There were a lot of naysayers who said, yeah, well, Marty doesn't have to be great because the team in front of him is so tight defensively. He barely sees the puck. And yet he stopped every puck he needed to stop. What, what was your take on that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, my take is Berger is the best that's ever played the game. Like, And so I have a bias to it, um, friendship, team-wise. But at the end of the day, the misconception about the Devils at the time was we sat back. It was, it was we were smart with our pressure. If you couldn't put pressure on, we weren't going to open ourselves up on the backside of it and, and let teams get inside us. So it was a calculated pressure and we had the freedom to go all out offensively offensive zone we could do whatever we wanted to do with it um and we did we, marty bailed us out plenty of times and so i would very much be on his side to question any naysayer that say says that on any other team he won't be as successful look look at the saves that guy's made look at the career he's had look at the wins he's had you don't do that unless you're a hall of fame top two three goaltender of in history and so, you know, we were fortunate enough to have him back there and he would bail us out and allow us to be patient and get to our game some nights. So, um, you know, it, we owe a lot to, to Bruder back there. Well said, man. One of the greatest of all time, no doubt yeah. about it. And a real gentleman, a real gentleman. And it's so good to see him still involved in the game and making his way up management and stuff. And it was great to have him on. And it's great to hear you say that because I, I'm fully on board with you. He's one of the greatest of all time. And 
If not for him, who knows? So now you win the Stanley Cup. What's it like on the ice? I was out there watching you guys celebrate. The family's out there and everything was awesome. Yeah, it's mayhem. And it's, uh, you know, it it happened fairly early in my career. And so I wish, you know, I I really tried to make a run at the end of my my career, whether we had a couple good teams in Montreal that went to the conference finals. And so when it happens so early, you just, expect that this is what's going to happen year in and year out and this we're going to have this opportunity i went to you know four frozen fours in college it was it was easy you just go and you win and you were just in a position to win at all times and so um that was my hope going back into boston to a good team is that i'd have one last chance to kind of make a dream of it but uh listen it's it's like no other feeling i mean you see those commercials that you're speechless you've got chills it's just it's everything you dream of as a kid and more, and you can't really put it into words. It was amazing. You had a great run with the devs. And then of course it pays off with a nice contract, uh, five by five. I think it was with the Montreal Canadians. Now you're on your way to the Habs. What's that like? That whole mindset of the fact that (laughs) you're going from the devils to the Habs. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty good change of pace. There's no doubt about it. It was, it almost rivals Lamorello's change from the Devils to Toronto. When I saw that come across the ticker that he was taking the Toronto job, I almost dropped my phone. I could not like Lou Lamorello in the one of the media meccas of hockey, and he's—I don't want to say he's anti-media, but he's pro. Keep it in the no, ring. no, J- Brian. You can say he's anti-media, brother. I worked yeah. in media <laughs> while he was here. He's, he, he just. Listen, in in the rookie seasons for Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, he wouldn't let these guys, these guys are celebrities, he wouldn't let them do between-period interviews. He said, screw the marketing. I don't care about TV. I don't care about that. All I want to do is win. So, yeah, no, you're right. He was anti-media, which works. It's effective. Yeah, I mean, that's his MO. And and so I I grow up in in New Jersey with the devil way, and I go into Montreal, and listen – I'll, I'll, I'll quick story on Lou there. I, I wanted to sign in, in Jersey. I, I love New Jersey. We, we love the organization. We loved the, the guys on the team. I had no intention at free agency to kind of go anywhere else. And, you know, he, we talked all the way up till July one, trying to figure something out. And, you know, at the end of the day, he's like, Hey, take your offers, go see what's out there. Come back to me with what you have. And we did. And he said, listen, he almost took himself off the table because he knew that I would do anything to kind of stay in New Jersey. And I was undervaluing myself by doing it. And there's business behind it. He probably wanted to make some changes, but at the end of the day, he knew that I had an opportunity out there of a lifetime. And with that came the Montreal Canadians. And I'm forever grateful because not only money, I had been making good money in New Jersey, but the opportunity to play in Montreal, to play in front of those fans, and the way that everyone accepted me there as a as an American born player to eventually wear the C for that team and the media, the fans, everyone was great to me. And so to have that experience for myself, my family, my kids to experience it, I had pictures, you know, of them doing the flag, my son carrying the flag on the ice uh during a game. And and just those memories of of Montreal, I'll forever be grateful for and one of the big lessons i think that i myself my family learned is it puts you out of your comfort zone and when you're out of your comfort zone you really grow as a person and so to be thrust into that atmosphere french speaking schools for my kids and and all the stuff that goes around it 
Um, I look back at my five years in Montreal as some of the best in the NHL for sure, even though we didn't win. You know what time it is? It's time to crush your cravings with 7-Eleven Cravables, like their world-famous taquitos, fully loaded nachos, hot from the oven in minutes 24-7 pizza, and the one and only Slurpee. They'll deliver it straight to your door before you can say, hey dude, have you seen my phone? Get 7-Eleven delivered fast, 24-7. Use promo code FREE7 to get $7 off your first two orders of $15 or more on 7Now. Download the 7-Eleven app. The Overtime Podcast is proud to partner with Athletes Care, the preferred sports medicine clinic for legends in hockey and all other sports. Athletes Care is proud to be celebrating our 25th year offering sports medicine services in downtown Toronto. In addition to physiotherapy, our service offerings include massage therapy, chiropractic care, medical acupuncture, orthotics, and orthopedic bracing. The Athletes Care team consists of the best sports medicine doctors and specialists that have been responsible for the treatment of athletes at the highest levels of competition, including athletes from the Olympics, the NHL, NBA, and Major League Baseball. When you need rehab for a new or chronic injury or pain, go to where the best go. Athletes Care Sports Medicine Clinics with 24 locations in the greater Toronto area and Ottawa. You talk about uh, getting the captaincy in Montreal. I need to revisit that because you had an experience with um, my favorite hockey player of all time. Gretz is awesome. Mario's awesome. But in terms of as a, as a kid growing up, my hero was Jean Beliveau. Yeah. You're getting to see in Montreal and only the second American captain of the Habs. The other was Chelly. So you're getting, you're getting to see in Montreal – and well, why don't you tell the audience the story of how that happened? Yeah, I mean, it was it it was I I have chills right now thinking about it. And <laughs> and Mr. and Mrs. Belvo were extremely like I'm forever grateful to them for I don't want to say mentorship, but being there and always making us and my wife and my family feel feel welcome. Um, and so opening night we have the ceremony and it's my first game as captain and I'm grabbing a torch, a passing of a torch, which doesn't even in my mind register as, as right. Like John Belvo's handing me a, a torch and a symbolic passing of the torch to me, uh, an American kid undersized from Western New York um, that had question marks about being in the NHL and I'm getting this from a true gentleman legend of the game. And so uh, I have, I have a picture of that night and he signed it for me and I have it up and it's just one of those things that you will never, ever, ever, ever forget. And it's just uh, that epitomizes what Montreal is about and their former players and how they take care of it and how they pass it on and, and continue to keep the legends involved and, involved with the current players you know what it also does it sends a pretty clear message of what they thought about you yeah i mean listen i'm you you've known me long enough i'm not there's there's no way and that's why i say i was very fortunate that the organization the players on my team the media and the fans really accepted me for who i was in montreal and i'll forever be grateful for that you end up uh, developing quite the relationship with pat burns Tell us about that. 
I love Pat. I came in as a young guy. Um, he's one of those guys like Lou that, that really believed in me and gave me my shot. And so it was my second full season in the, in the league. And he, you know, found a role for me. He really, in, in the Pat Burns way, he really mentored me, right? Like <laughs> you walk, you walk by him in the hall and, uh, he'll, he'll grumble at you. He won't say hi in the morning. He just gives you this grunt and you're like, Hey coach, how's it going? But <laughs> You know, for me, Pat Pat really helped me solidify myself in the league. And then we kept in touch even after, you know, he got sick and he was out of the game. Um, and, you know, when I was in Montreal and then at his unfortunate passing, um, you know, I was in Montreal at the time. So, you know, we were able to attend the, the services for him. And I kept in touch with, you know, his wife, who's, who's great. And we just saw her last year at the 20th anniversary of our Devil's Cup win. And so that friendship was great throughout my career uh outside voice being able to to lean on when i signed in montreal him you know really giving me some good advice on how to handle things there he had been through it um and so it's those types of things and those types of people that influence your career he was a legend it's it's are you catching the theme here Gee, like pretty much everybody you're talking to talking about is one of the all-time legends of the game does it sometimes make your head spin and think i played with marty broder i got handed the torch by jean beliveau i was mentored and led by pat burns lou lamarillo one of the greatest managers in the history of the, of the league builders of the league they were all key parts of your life helping you become who you became Absolutely. And that's why I'm forever grateful. And, and, uh, there's reasons why you have the career you do is the people that touch you and the people that are around you. And yes, you put work in and you do it, but a lot of guys do it. A lot of guys, you know, put the work in and do the right thing. And they're just, I was lucky to be surrounded and, and believed in by a lot of great people along the way. Your time in Buffalo wasn't ideal. It wasn't the best of your time <laughs> in your career, but has that was that subtle enough? G? Yeah, that was very. That, I mean, that's how I would put it. Very, very subtle. But you did have, well, I would think what must have been great—a guy who grew up where you grew up, uh, playing in City Field. Tell tell our audience about that experience. Yeah, and so if I go back, I'm coming out of Montreal. We just lost in the conference finals to the Rangers. And it just didn't work out contract wise. It made sense for a guy of my age at the time. And it was a one year deal coming from Montreal. And at 35, I was looking for a little more stability from my family and, and myself. And so the opportunity opened up in Buffalo and looking back, I went into it with the hope that I was turning an organization, helping turn an organization around, being part of turning an organization around. It wasn't the right timing. The 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 stars didn't align. Things were not set up to really have that turnaround that they're they're experiencing now. And so for me personally, that was disappointing. And, and I felt like I wanted to be able to impart some of the stuff that I learned throughout my career and 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 make an impact on an organization. And it just it just wasn't the right timing. And so um, I still look back at my time in Buffalo is is great because. It was awesome to be there towards the end of my career with my parents at every game and my my kids around their cousins and my wife around her family. And um, it, we, we still live in Buffalo. We, we never, never left Buffalo. And so it's it's certainly on the hockey side was was a struggle at times. 
Um, but it was, you find the positive within that. And for me, that was being able one to play my thousands game in front of all family and friends uh, in Buffalo uh, with everyone who had kind of supported me along my career. And then, you know, being able to play for one of those teams that you looked at as a, as a young kid wanting to be in the league yet. And so there are some positives and it didn't turn out the way I wanted to, but uh, with that, I'm, you know, take everything from every experience I've ever had and try to learn from it. What was the winter classic? Like it's great. I mean, it's, it's everything. It's a big spectacle, right? Like it's, it's a lot of media driven, but as a player, it's super fun. Like you're out there outdoor game and you're having fun living it up. And um, it, it's what you go back to your roots in and you do it within the confines of an NHL game. And at the top level, it, it's not pond hockey, but you have that inner childhood experience out there while you're in an NHL game. I want to ask you about your Olympic experience. Um, you get to go in 2006 in Turin, and let's see the list of the guys you played with. Doug Waite, <laughs> Kelly Hills, Billy Guerin. Not bad names. Nope. <laughs> no, pretty good game. Pretty good names. <laughs> you had an opportunity to play with them, and then as your career starts to wind down in Buffalo, you get a phone call about the 2018 Winter Olympic Games. Walk us through that call, what, like, what that conversation was like, and what it ultimately led to. I'm going to be completely honest. I was sitting at our lake house outside of Rochester on my front porch, and Jimmy Johansson, the late, great JJ, who suddenly passed away leading into the Olympics, um, he called me, and he's like, listen, I know you're going through some contract stuff, trying to figure out whether you're going to play next year, um, but just know that we we want uh, you to play for us. And I'm like, JJ, what? what team are you connected with? I, I was thinking he was with an NHL team all of a sudden. I'd missed something because I didn't know Olympic, that. because the Olympics weren't, we, we knew as an NHL player that, that yeah. we weren't in the Olympics. So it was kind of this little parked off side that was unforgotten or forgotten about. And so then I like two minutes later, I'm like, JJ, listen, if I'm not playing, I absolutely would love to be a part of the Olympic process. He's like, listen, we want you to be a big part of it. And so, as I was working through my contract stuff that summer, the uh, I had opportunities. I had opportunities in Nashville and Boston, and it just I went looked at places to rent in Boston. And I just wasn't ready to move my family for one year, and so the opportunity arose that I was able to do the Olympics. And Don uh, Sweeney was great in Boston. And said, "Listen, we'll take you at the deadline after the Olympics." Uh, you be ready and we'll be ready for you. And so uh, it was a thing that I could do, be a leader, be a, an Olympic captain for Team USA at the Olympics, and then go and chase my final dream of a Stanley Cup. And so that whole year just kind of worked the right way to be the end of the last of my career. And I'm sure I could have played a few more years, but I just wasn't willing to sacrifice the family. So it's funny that I get that call to be on the Olympic team and I really didn't realize what was going on. I was like, JJ, what, what are we talking about? It took me a, you know, a couple seconds to clue in that he was talking about the Olympics. I love it. I didn't, I didn't know about that part of the story that he called you and said, so what team are you calling about? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That's hilarious. So yeah. now you go and you have a great Olympic experience and you end up in Boston, which I got to say as a guy who wore the C in Montreal, 
I don't know. I mean, to me, that just seems very, very weird. And I love the story of the first time you got to meet. This is guys, you know, like Big Z, of course. Danino Chara was a part of that team when you walked into that room. What was that like, that experience? These are guys you competed against, dreaded, hated rivals, nasty stuff in front of the net in the corners, and now you're walking in that place. What was that like? It was, at the time, one of the fiercest rivalries. I'm in I'm in Montreal, and you got the Ferentz finger getting stuck on his glove. Yes. You got, like, the epic series. I mean, we had brawls. We had a little of everything. It was nasty every time you played. And now flip it to I had had personal battles with Char my whole career, whether it's Ottawa or or in Boston, and we battled each other for years, hated each other. Marchand like hated each other. Bergeron hated, and it was those were the first three guys to come in and and give you a hug. Bergeron was talking to me the summer before and telling me about the team and that I would I would fit in great and. These are guys that you competed and hated and and wanted to fight every night you're out there. And so it seems weird, but I loved Boston as a city. I loved Boston as an organization. I knew they had a, a team that could make a run. And everyone had said how great that room was. And until I was in it, there's no way I would have said it's a great room. And it's probably because I didn't want to give credit to those guys that you battle <laughs> you know, to the end against at all sure. times. But that room was a great room and those guys are great leaders. And it just showed by how they accepted one of their biggest rivals into the room, you know, and it was didn't flinch. It was, it was just, you're part of this group now. And we forget about everything in the past that we've had the last 10 years. It's hilarious. And it's great. I mean, you're not a name dropper, but those are some of the, you know, all time greatest guys that you keep mentioning there, the Bergeron and Marchand and what he's been able to do for not only the Bruins, but for Canada and Zidane Ochara, one of the all time greats. It's amazing. I want to play a little game with you. Call it five fast facts and you'll see the relationship to what I'm talking about in a second. I'll ask you five quick questions. You give me the quick answer that comes right to the top of the head. You good with that? Yep. Good. All right. Five facts, five fast facts with Stanley Cup champion, Brian Gianta, the best teammate you ever played with. Uh, Josh Georges. Wow. That came out. Okay. That's supposed to be a fast fact, but I need an explanation on that one. Well, it's, I played with him for eight years uh, between Montreal and, and Buffalo. And we are great friends, but he's just an underrated heart and soul type of guy that will do anything for a teammate and block shots, eat pucks. And just so uh, that's just the character that he draws. Wow. Well said. Who's the best coach you ever played for? Pat Burns. No doubt. Uh, who did you hate playing against the most and why? And you've mentioned a few. <laughs> <laughs> I got a bunch on the list <laughs> and they're all on the same team. No, I would say Chara. Uh, I had to battle against that guy for years and how big he is and how strong he is and how hard he is to beat. Uh, I knew it was going to be a long night every time we played him. Your favorite NHL city to play in? Montreal. Both yeah. as a home team and an away team, for sure. Fair enough. If you hadn't played in the NHL and we're not an NHL player, what do you think plan B was for Brian Giant as a career? <laughs> I didn't have one, so that's why I threw everything into it. I would have been at my dad's hardware store probably uh, picking nails out of it and weighing them and, and helping customers at the hardware store. I, I didn't have a plan B, 
And thank goodness, because I still don't know at 44 years old what I want to do with my life. Which brings me, and, and I really appreciate you taking the time. You've been really, really gracious with your time. Which brings me, as we wrap things up, what are you doing now? Like, my understanding is you're spending a lot of time with your family. Like, you've had, I'm sure, given your leadership, you've had some opportunities to come back in management or coaching. That, that doesn't interest you? What are you doing? Uh, it all interests me, but not to the fact that uh, I want to disrupt what I missed in my career with my family and my kids. And so my kids are quickly growing. I have an 18-year-old boy. I have a 15-year-old daughter and I have an 11-year-old boy. And you miss a ton of time when you're traveling and chasing your dream and and something has to give. And sometimes that's the family stuff. And so I love where I'm at. Um, I've had quite a few opportunities to, to be involved in the game uh, in the NHL. And it just hasn't worked out timing-wise as far as uh, I know myself and the commitment I want to put into something. And I wouldn't wholeheartedly be into it if I'm thinking about my family or, or missing time with my family, uh, missing my kids' sports or, or their their milestones. And so the timing just hasn't worked. I've had those opportunities. I love the game. I love being involved in the game. I've done some part-time stuff, uh, development with the Sabres. I've done uh, part-time with Niagara University. I've coached my kids. I coach my help coach my son's team now in the North American League. And it's all part-time stuff, so I have the flexibility to really enjoy all three of my kids and be a part of their life right now while I still have them because it's quickly, quickly going by. Wow. You're a class act, Brian. It's been uh, it's been so much fun catching up with you, man, and you look great. You sound like you're really happy. You look you can't wipe the smile off your face yeah. telling these stories <laughs> yeah. and stuff. Thanks so much for taking the time, and it's been great catching up with you, pal. Thanks, you know, I appreciate it. It's uh missed being a part of things and it's always nice catching up. All right, take care. Thank you. 17-year NHL veteran since his captain of the Devils, Canadian Sabres, also playing with the Boston Bruins, Stanley Cup champion Brian Gianta. That was awesome. The Overtime Podcast is proudly presented by 7-Eleven and Athletes Care. Before leaving the rink, order your favorite Slurpee, fresh 100% premium Arabica coffee, hot premium pizza and wings, a pint of ice cream, or even a carton of milk, a dozen eggs, local bread from the 7Now app and Team 7-Eleven. We'll have your order ready for pickup 24-7. Athletes Care is proud to be celebrating their 25th year offering sports medicine services to both elite athletes and the general population will require rehab for a new or chronic injury or pain. Go to where the best go. Athletes Care Sports Medicine Clinics with 24 locations in the greater Toronto area and Ottawa. Hey, if you missed any parts of the show, don't worry. Visit our website at overtimepodcast.ca where you can both listen and subscribe to future shows. 7-Eleven's Overtime Podcast can be found on the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, iTunes Podcasts, or any of your favorite podcast platforms. Until next week, I'm Gino Retta saying so long, hockey fans, and thanks for joining us on the 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast. You know what time it is? It's time to crush your cravings with 7-Eleven Cravables, like their world-famous taquitos, fully loaded nachos, hot-from-the-oven-in-minutes 24-7 pizza, and the one and only Slurpee. They'll deliver it straight to your door before you can say, Hey dude, have you seen my phone? Get 7-Eleven delivered fast, 24-7. Use promo code FREE7 to get $7 off your first two orders of $15 or more on 7-NOW. 
Download the 7-Eleven app. The Overtime Podcast is proud to partner with Athletes Care, the preferred sports medicine clinic for legends in hockey and all other sports. Athletes Care is proud to be celebrating our 25th year offering sports medicine services in downtown Toronto. In addition to physiotherapy, our service offerings include massage therapy, chiropractic care, medical acupuncture, orthotics, and orthopedic bracing. The Athletes Care team consists of the best sports medicine doctors and specialists that have been responsible for the treatment of athletes at the highest levels of competition, including athletes from the Olympics, the NHL, NBA, and Major League Baseball. When you need rehab for a new or chronic injury or pain, go to where the best go. Athletes Care Sports Medicine Clinics with 24 locations in the greater Toronto area and Ottawa.